welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. It's been a while. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks. And we're on a totally different subject today, which is nice. Uh, I'm coming off another. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about ice fishing, but then we're gonna get into my favorite part of the year, fishing and soon to be turkey hunting. And it won't be long, like two episodes until we're talking about turkeys. Hearing some of those gobbles on the ice have uh, definitely triggered me in an outdoorsman way, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. But uh, you just started something more recently. Yeah. So now we have an Instagram page, Grip and Grin Pod underscore pod so go follow us on instagram you know we're gonna have a little bit of a mixture of our food items when we're out on the ice out on the water and in the woods so please go check it out and we are also on spotify now yes so now we're on all the major platforms obviously you audio listeners would know because you're either listening to it on spotify or not however it's good to now have all the bases covered and on our Instagram, you have also linked our Apple podcast to our... And um, our bio. Yep. On our profile. So that's going to be pretty sweet. And hopefully we'll have plenty of pictures to share of our future adventures coming this spring. I mean, 60 degrees today? Are you kidding me? Dude, the next three days are so sweet. I mean, we were down in Southern Maine today and it was, what, 65, 68? Yeah. T-shirt weather. And where is the ice going to go? Just going to be gone here in a second, and I can't wait. Yeah, Streeter was like, dude, uh, what are you doing Wednesday? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, go ice fishing? I'm like, dude, three days of 60 to 70 degree weather? We're going to Canada if we have to ice fish. <laughs> You're going to need a kayak to get to the solid ice in the center of the lake. Like, no way. But you've been out more than I have. I haven't been out since we've gone on the previous podcast. Be sure to check it out. Oh. So I put my traps away that day after we we recorded, and you've gone out four times, maybe five. So I've been pursuing the idea of, like, hunting season. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But hunting season, like, persistence, right? Persistence, like, you know, commitment. Just keep going, just and keep going. And I went going. skiing while you're out there being committed. Dude, <laughs> I was grinding. Like, I was... Some days I was fishing by myself, fishing by myself. Wow, I'm at Killington, <laughs> sending me videos of fish, but I'm like, I'm grinding to like just catch like a trout. I'm like, come on, come on. You're like, come on, you can do it. I mean, Wait. you didn't catch any of your like target, target brown trout, like Game larger, fish. Yeah. like 16 inch around there, because you go to this certain spot and you hammer that spot. Last year was successful, but this year. Not so no, which will lead me into my my topics of discussion later on. But yeah, I I was I was grinding, I was fishing. The last time I went, um, good lord. Well, let me let me back up here. Let me back up. So went to a pond that I've never even fished before, and this was like this was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's been it was a, mm, a week after we recorded the last one. So yeah. it's been a while. So Streeter and I, he was like, let's go, let's go together. I'm like, all right, let's find a midway point found a pond and I was like never fished it before did some reporting on it some scouting which we'll talk about later in the podcast and I was like yeah it looks good and found a spot that I was like it's deep enough it drops off so I'm looking for those ledges walked out there lo and behold make a long story short catch a brown trout I'm like yes 14 inches like barely and I was like oh my gosh yes I got my 14 inch like dinner but like 14 inch brown trout that's that's like dinner for one I don't know. I can definitely split that. 
eh, you got to have something along with it. But uh, if you saw on our Instagram, that was part of the... Uh, that was that looked mighty fine. The, the deer steak yep. and yep. the fish. Perfect. Oh, not much veggies going on there, but uh, hey, man. We'll add some green once the summer comes in. <laughs> but uh, got the brown. You know, that was a good win. But you also had a pretty interesting experience getting out of the parking area because we had snow then. Right. Holy shit. Okay. So I have an all-wheel drive car. Streeter's got this. I don't call it a piece of shit. It's a nice car, but it's it's two-wheel drive. Okay. Oof. Yeah. And as we're driving there, he's like, he calls me before I even get there. He's like, dude, they didn't plow the road, and I can't even get over the snowbank. And I'm like, what? He's like, I'm shoveling right now. I'm like, what? What are you talking? I'm like, just go. He's like, I can't. And I was like, screw it. So I hung up because I was right down the road, and I pull in, and I can see him, like, you know, kind of assessing the situation. I was like, Fuck this. I friggin' just whipped it right in, drove down the hill, just dive bombing to the pond. And I get down there and I look back. He is right on my tail, like coming down the hill with his car. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to be good going back out. <laughs> I'm like, shit. So I was like, whatever. Because we got there at like noontime and we get out there, we hike out. It was a good like. Ah, three quarters of a mile to a mile walk out slushy you know those those spring type of conditions on ice and when we come back it was man over the course of what two hours two or three hours we were trying to get his car out of there my car barely made it out like i was like let me just try so i backed out and i was flooring my car to get out of there and i eventually made it to the top of the hill and it was his turn Dude, he couldn't even back up. Like, he was backing up every, like, foot to two feet, and we'd have to shovel more. And the hill is probably 100 yards long, like a football field. It's like, oh, my gosh. I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a long freaking night. Went to a store, bought a shovel, went back, <laughs> started shoveling his car out some more, and he was, like, calling his dad. He's like, Dad, I need help. Dad, I need help. I'm like... This is just crazy. Got in the car. I said, push. And he's like, what? I said, just push the freaking car. So I turned off his traction control, just dropped it into gear. I'm like, I just, I said, three, two, one, push. And I just floored it like Ricky Bobby. Just, <laughs> and I'm just, it's to the floor the whole way up the hill. And this thing is just spinning back like and forth. rally car. Oh, dude. And I just drove it like a rally car driver. I'm like going up the hill and I got to the top, got out of the car and just, yes, like at the top of the hill. I mean, God damn. I hope it never happens again. But yeah, you're definitely not going to be doing it the rest of this season. It was awful. It was freaking awful. That was, uh, was there other tracks going down or were you like plowing the trail down in? Uh, I made the trail. Ah, uh, okay. Because there was like a <laughs> snowstorm beforehand and I was like, yeah, I, I know I could get out. I do remember the day was like 50 degrees, too. It was like the first warm spring day we had. Yep. I remember you sending snaps because I was in class. And I'm like, oh, it's really nice. Out. Yeah, it was a gorgeous day. It was awesome. You know, it was it was good, good ice. We got out there. We had like, I don't know, 14 inches of ice and had some flags. And he brought home a, uh, a nice size white perch that he cooked up. So we were both happy. Brought home dinner. So can't complain. 
successful. Yep, yep. And then you've been out a couple more times to your other brown trout hole. <laughs> Awful. Just <laughs> wretched. <laughs> I never made it down this season, and <sighs> I'm a little bit happy just because of what the results were. However, I still want to go, yes. Don't get me wrong. You, yeah, I... I was thinking about today as as I was driving. It's like I gotta I, I gotta find a new spot. I gotta find a new spot. Something a little closer for one. Yes, closer. Yeah, for sure. Like you're driving an hour and change. Hour and ten minutes. Yeah. No, I wouldn't want to do that every time I want to go ice fishing on the weekend. And you're going out there before first light, and you're seeing people. Early bird gets warm, warm but man. you're still seeing people before sunlight. Isn't I, that crazy? I am. People are out there with uh, flashlights drilling holes, and I'm so like, like, you're out there too, but still, you have competition at this spot. Yep. And you're driving southbound. Yep. Which is, you know, to Dumb. each their own. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> you can say it. But I went out a few times there, and like I said, two of those times were by myself. Went in an afternoon. You know, I caught some fish and. You know, they weren't target fish, so, you know, largemouth, smallmouth. Nice sized fish, gorgeous fish, but nothing. You can see on our page. Yeah, nothing that I was, like, getting at, though. I was like, oh, man. But I uh, I didn't tell you this. So the afternoon that I fished, dude, I didn't even set up all my traps, and I had a flag. And I was like, yeah, baby. Like, you get that, like, yeah, it's going to be a good day. And I get to, I wasn't really running because it was, it refroze. So it's like. Even with my grippers, my ice grippers, I couldn't even run on the ice. It was that slippery. So I get there, and it probably took 40 feet of line. And I'm like, oh, my God. It was still running. So I start grabbing it, start pulling on it. The fish swam down the bottom, wrapped me around a log, Mm. and I went to pull. And it was just, you could feel the log. I was like, that's shitty. Yep. So I pulled so hard. I had eight-pound leader on. I pulled so hard that it bent the swivel in half and ripped off the swivel. So my knots, I was like, yeah, yeah baby. Let's Good go. knots. I was like, yeah, let's go. But the swivel, I was like, it came back with like. Just like the barrel swivel part. That's it. That's it. And it's I was always like, satisfying to know your knot is holding up well. It was. It was. I was like, okay. And the eight pound leader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, damn. But I was, you could feel the fish. Like you could feel it, as I t- like made the line like taut, like around that log. You could feel the fish like fighting it, and I was like, ah. Oh. So I was like, maybe if I pull hard enough, or or if I give him some slack, like I tried everything, and it just wouldn't come off. I was like, damn it. Well, at least the line broke, so then it could swim off after. Yes. Yeah. Right at the swivel too. So I mean, my leaders are only like three feet long. And then the hook dissolves over time. Yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be good. But uh, that was that was a pretty good experience. Good afternoon, good fish. I'd even I'd even uh, sit till dark. It was just a few hours. Was that um, this past Saturday? Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. So now your traps are away for good. Yeah. Yeah. the The morning that I went out, though, the morning I went out, those guys were out there before I was. So I went out an afternoon, Friday afternoon. I went out a Saturday morning. And the Saturday morning was just a wretched. <laughs> it was, by definition, if you're an ice fisherman, it was, it doesn't get much worse. I like the word wretched. <laughs> Awful. It makes me laugh every single time. Dude, I get there, right? I got to tell you the whole story. And it's going to be a long one, but it's okay. 
I get there. Freaking early. 5.45. First light's at 6.16. There's already people on the ice. I'm like, what the frick? Are you kidding me? But they're not in the spot I want to go. So I was like, ah, it's all good. It's all good. Get out of my car. Get all my shit out. Uh, Start to go to the embankment of the pond. And I look down. I'm like, oh, shit. That's open water. Like, there's probably like three to four feet of open water on the shore. And my flashlight didn't really illuminate. My headlamp didn't really illuminate the, the ice well enough. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm going in right there if I step in. So I had to drag my shit down the road like 80 yards. I could have loaded it back up and drove it down. But I was like, fuck it. Drag it down the road. Get on the ice. Walk out to where I want to be. Sit all day. Not one freaking flag. Had to reset two of my traps because I had strong swimmers. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Thought of you. I was like, God damn it. And people are coming in. I'm like, oh my God. Like surrounding me again. I'm like, what the frick? Not like when we went to that one pond, that guy set up right on me, or was it that close? No, 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 no. Not that close. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Nothing will match that. Sit all day. You know, it was a good experience to get out. The ice that morning, like I was telling you earlier, was moving so much. I was like, spring, like, spring thunder, baby. Here we go. Ice was moving so much, it was cracking so loud that it was shock calling turkeys in the distance, like on the shoreline. Every time the ice moved, the turkeys would gobble. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great sound. Great sound. But uh, no flags. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm done. Like, you were texting me, you're like, you're done after this, right? I'm like, yes, I'm done. Like, traps are going away. And I had probably two dozen bait, two dozen shiners. I was like, ah, frick. Like, I can't, you know, I can't finish with these. And, and so um, I get to the shore and I dump them out on the shore. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with these. And then I'm walking back to my car and the guy on the shoreline's like, he's, he's like fishing the shore, basically. He's like, oh, hey, hey, I meant to catch you on the way out. Did, uh, you know, did, did you have any bait left? And I was like, are you kidding me, dude? He's like, I'll pay you cash. I'll give you cash for him. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, no, I just dumped him out. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, so pissed. So it was just a, not the way you want to end your ice fishing season because I was telling you I want to get a trout before I end the and season. And you were saying that in previous podcasts, and yep. you were adamant about going down religiously yeah. almost once a week, twice a week. Twice a week even, yeah. So... But, in. but it proves the point of this, and this is where the recap is. It proves the point of, does persistence always pay off? No. Hell no. But I have no regret now. Now I have no regret of, like, I didn't fish hard enough. Now it's like, all right, I did my job. Now I still failed. But but also, you did go to more new lakes or ponds this year than I would say the ever. Not even the last few years, because we went... I can count on one hand, like, not one hand. I can just one second think of five different spots you fished this year that I haven't even fished, which is pretty impressive. Someone that you know, you have a whole family, too. You're busy, so. Not as much as I should have, though. That, but that's a learning point. Yeah, true. And we got to learn where there's milfoil. (laughs) (sighs) My gosh. Before making a mile hike. You see a sign. Get back in your car and go home. Still want to know why they stock ponds with milfoil and and or pike. 
But a couple things, like, I mean, I was thinking about this in the Ice Shack the other day. One, social media. That has made every fishing hole publicized. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Somebody catches a gorgeous fish. Oh, I caught it. You know, maybe maybe they don't say. But then they tell face-to-face. They tell, like, one or two people. And then it just... Wildfire. Dude, you took the words out of my mouth. It spreads like wildfire. And you're like, you know, you catch this one fish. Oh, there's a couple new guys. And then, oh, a couple more people. Oh, there's a family over there. Oh, and it just keeps going. That's what my fishing hole has turned into. Yeah, I... Even I'm cautious talking to you about mine. You yeah, even you know are. That. Absolutely. And it's not like to take any offense. I'm just doing what what a, a fisherman, angler needs to do. Should do. Yep. Like Agreed. I'm not going to just hand them over. Agreed. So that's one thing that I've observed is like just, I, I mean, I don't have social media. Like I do and I don't. Like not like facebook or anything like that but like i just the spot that i have is just turned into a fishing ground of like people it's like god damn you should uh make a note to yourself to not go to that pond as much as you did this year and to explore north dude accepted i mean i well, just make sure you remember because it's like when i go deer hunting to talk about deer hunting just a little bit or turkey hunting or any sort of outdoor activity I make the same mistake every single time where I forget something and I'm like, oh, this year, last year I remembered I wasn't supposed to do that and then I did it again. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? You like, don't are listen you kidding to yourself. Me? Yeah. So now I have a reminder, annual reminder, in the spring and in the winter for fishing. Like, oh, I need to remember to do this, not go there, do this, that, and the other thing. A whole notes. It, it's just a reminder. Go to my notes and read everything that pertains to that particular season so i don't make the same stupid mistakes as i did the year before or the year before that because i've done that and i'm like what the fuck am i doing you record everything like i don't record anything the only thing i record is pictures very analytical but that's just how i roll you are like whether it's a hunt fish i mean hiking and fish i mean i write down the days of which places i go to just so i can reference different years to different bodies of water or when i turkey hunt like oh third week of may like almost time to stop hunting or you know you could have deer hunting oh this type of tree i want this type of tree i don't want it's so simple it could be just how i carry my bow in and oh i forgot that how oh, i held it this way procedure so it didn't like ting against this carabiner like all these little things Exactly. But I digress. <laughs> and we'll get into what he what Andrew really focuses on when he when he does his scouting too. So we'll get into that. One other thing, one other thing that I mentioned or one other thing that I thought of when I was ice fishing. Because when you fish alone, let's be real, you have your radio, you know, you're listening to, but you think a lot. <laughs> one thing that I noticed was, and this was maybe a flaw in this year for me, I f- I targeted a species to the max. Now, some might argue, and there's some pros and cons to either side, but I didn't really diversify myself when it comes to fishing, like as far as species go. 
I targeted brown trout, brown trout, brown trout, brown trout, brown trout. That was my target species like all year long. But there are other species that are just as good, if not better. Brookies. Yes. I mean, you could debate lake trout, rainbows, uh, splake, salmon. Yep. List goes on. White perch even. Yep. Exactly. Crappy. Have you had a crappy? I haven't had a crappy because I've only caught one. White, white, flaky meat. It's delish. It is gorgeous. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why didn't I do? Which probably would have got me more into jigging, to be honest with you. Because people jig crappy all the time. All the time. I know a good crappy hole, too, by the way. Make note for next year. It's publicized <laughs> already, probably, but I know a good one. Okay? You know why? Because I heard it from somebody. That... <laughs> Wow, bring it full circle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and we'll just put a public right here and call it quits. Yeah, the uh, longitude latitude of that location is no. Um, but I know a good hole. Uh, but yeah, the crappy is just like, I don't know. I, 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 I need to focus more on different species of fish. We didn't try pickerel this year. Yeah, I mean, we still got... Caught plenty of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even remind me. But, no, I definitely agree with that. Trying different species. Learning how to fillet a little better. I'm not very good at filleting. And I think if you catch a crap ton of white perch, crappy, or what have you, you learn how to fillet well pretty quickly. Yeah, Streeter, my buddy Streeter, he, the way he cooks his fish, and you, you and I disagree with this, he fillets them and then pulls any like ribs or spines I've out. I've seen that. I just haven't filleted enough to know how <laughs> effective that is. <laughs> then he sends me like a video of him cooking it. It's like a fish nugget. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you you lost so much meat there. Like he's like, Oh, it's so good though. I was like I'm like, Yeah, all one bite of it, like great, you know? But I I think it all depends on what you're trying to cook, too. Meaning, like, we talked about the fish tacos. You know, that would be good to do with if you have to, like, finger it and, like, peel it off of the the bones and stuff. That would be fine. But if you're looking to get, like, I don't know, like a nice filet or something, maybe. But it's got to be big enough. Yeah, but if you're making enough of them, I feel like maybe it's all right. Because when I did, like, a white perch fry, we had give or take 40 but the guy that i was with filleted him so quickly like it wasn't even i wasn't even capable of it i yeah. i try i really do try to flay a fish well and i just suck yep. but i will get better the more i do it hmm. so i think it's about the volume of fish all right so let's end ice fishing wait hold up oh, last God. time we talked about me going smelting one more time <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's talk about this. All right, let's talk about it. it won't take long. Nothing. <laughs> Closing the book there. We didn't catch anything. No one around us caught any smelts. I'm, like, waiting for the picture of, like, a half five-gallon bucket full. I'm, like, Are you waiting for a text where I would have said, oh, my God, I caught one. Yeah. But I was, like, you know, I texted him. I was, like, so how'd you do? How'd it go? He's, like, nothing. And I was, like, ooh. Ooh. touchy subject don't talk about it i was like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna respond to that i'm gonna give him a little time just to all right yeah calm down just f- 
further put my traps in the back of like the garage attic, I just like shoved them in there and I took the jig pulls and shoved them into the back. Next year you're gonna be like, My jig rod snapped in half. What the hell? All my sabiki rigs are all tangled. Yeah, mine are. I didn't really organize them. But now, now we get into Dude, I'm excited. I'm pumped. So I do a lot more fishing than you as of the past, but yes. hopefully now that changes starting today. Dude, it was awesome. We had a great day. Okay. In total, in total, I mean, listeners know, I've spent $423 for this spring season, fishing-wise. Yep. The waders. Oh, I forgot about that. And then also the all the stuff I bought today. Because you didn't really have an outfit. Dude, I didn't like. Have- nothing no anything skimpy skimpy tackle is what i had like i would buy like one or two lures i'm like that's good yep fish with that like and i didn't really target trout when i fish i'm like bass 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 or anything that bites and then you made fun of me for oh i catch little dinkers and i have a great time yeah that's about to change oh it's gonna change it's it's gonna change the content this spring is gonna be very entertaining because of some of the things that we have planned for you listeners it's gonna be awesome i can't wait personally i mean we're days away not weeks days yeah from when my car transitions from carrying ice traps which no longer hasn't been doing that for a while ski stuff Mm -hmm. which i recently did but that's gonna go away and just be filled with all my fishing gear fly rod Yep, my open reel, everything else just shoved in the back, ready to go. Even in my car top, I am ready to go, and you have no idea. With this week's weather being above 55, 60 on some days, a little rain, let's go. As we were driving down to Southern Maine today, I was like looking out the window back and forth going, oh my gosh, Like, there's no snow. There's no snow. There's no snow in Southern Maine. It's literally a new chapter, like today, when we met up to get your new stuff. Yep. That was kind of my real official start. I was already ahead of you. Breaking the ice? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Like, I I got my stuff a couple weeks back, but that's just like me cleaning off my golf clubs, watching the Masters. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. So it's like, I, it wasn't really actually getting ready, but now I'm getting ready. Like, I'll line my rod tomorrow. Yeah. When you're like, when you walk in and you're like, you're going through all the aisles of like fishing lures and stuff, you're like, you, you get that like itch. You're like, okay, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, Especially when I'm in Vermont and I'm just looking at all these rivers, I see people fishing and I'm like, frick, like, I want to be where they are right now, really badly. I think this coming weekend, I think we could wet a line. No doubt. I'll keep my eyes super peeled. Hey, I penciled in for this weekend. Fish question mark, period. It's it, it's either going to be by the end of this week or next week, beginning, like next Monday. All right. As we record this on a Sunday night. Because it, and we're getting into the legality of this right now, but... As of right now, southern Maine region, if it's open, you can fish it, correct? Correct. And then northern Maine starts April 1st. Correct. So don't make that mistake. Yep. Because you always got to be careful with all the fishing laws. Each body of water has their own laws. Yep. Unless they otherwise say general, but always check that. 
And there's, I mean, they have a map online too on the website that you can actually look at to see if your body of water falls into that northern or southern district. I don't know about the other counties, but I'm pretty sure Penobscot County is split in half. So you got to watch. It's not just county lines. It's more than that because sometimes they split it. So, but just, anyway, yeah. we got to get into what we were doing today, which was getting your whole outfit. Yeah, baby. It's going to be pretty sweet. You got waders. I got waders. Um, I bought the same exact pair as you. Maybe not the same size, but same exact pair. Yeah. So you have the waders. Yeah, baby. We use uh, backpacks for tackle boxes because Correct. We're, I like hiking in. I mean, you'll soon experience it. Correction. We, well, yes, we will be hiking yes. in. I already, I have hiking. been. I have these spots set up where I need a backpack to carry everything because I'm not going to carry like a plastic bin with like me. over a mile hike. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I... Four I'm, miles, three miles. I hope to now because yeah. I wasn't going to do that by myself. A little sketchy. Well, I mean, I will get into the stories later on sometime when I'm like the moose running at me or... yeah. Me seeing Moose right next to me, and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't see I've that. I've seen the photographic evidence, too. I'm like, yeah, okay. He sends me pictures. I'm like, holy shit. I'll like, post it on Instagram. I'm Don't like, you worry. God, like, that's, like, right next to you. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, like, it's, the picture doesn't give justice to how no, close I was, either. No, no, it doesn't. But anyway, you got your waders. Yep. You got a pole. I run a six-and-a-half-foot pole. I know many people probably have multiple poles for different species. Yep. But I like one that I can do everything with because I'm also in college. So I don't really have the funds to buy multiple poles. But the pole I bought is universal because I can catch pike, brookies. And I want to make this clear. I want to make this very clear out of the gate. Okay. I'm buying a lot of shit that, that you have. But let's be clear is that the tackle, the gear does not make the fisherman. I, I understand that. Okay. I, let's put that out there. I'm not saying like... By spending all this money, I'm going to catch more fish. That is, not the, that is not the case. I understand that. But if you're having success, why wouldn't I try and increase my odds? If it works, I know it's going to work. And the fishing pole that I bought, yes, is is a six-foot six foot pole. But I don't think, was it five-foot, four-foot that I've been using? Like, pretty yeah. small pole. Yeah, like, like that traditional brookie pole. Yeah, and when you were like, this is the one, uh, initially I was like, Jesus Murphy. I'm like, really? Like, that's what you want me to use for a trout? But, I mean, it makes sense. It's It's got a very sensitive tip. But, like you said, it can be versatile. I can use it in pike fishing, bass fishing, trout fishing. Like, I mean, any sort of fishing. And it breaks in two, so you can hike in with it. Right, right. I mean, we're going to do some fly fishing, too, and we'll get into that later. But yep. it's going to be nice having that versatility at our disposal. Right. Because if you have three different rods for three different scenarios and i always have to pack that in pack that out carry it in my car which could be a pain and the pole isn't that expensive which is nice yeah it's really nice knowing i can kind of be rough with it but it handles it well it does handle it well it's like i always ask people like what should i get for rod what should i get for rod and they recommended this one i was like ah yeah, it's pretty so cheap. So it's not just me. It's not no, just no, me. No, 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 no. It, you know, it's fairly cheap. And I went to cash out, and the woman's like, would you like the two-year warranty on that? I'm like, it costs what? as much as the pole. Really? Like, <laughs> I was like, I think I'll just go buy a new one if it breaks. Like, no big deal. Whatever. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm liking it. So then we got it. 
you some eight pound test, which I love to use for brookies. I mean, I actually caught a 12 pound pike on eight pound test, no leader. And I will, I, I feel very good about that. I think that was a little skill. And this is where like, you know, our own like personal opinions come into play. You're like, go with this. It's like a, it's like a light faded green. Yeah. Line. Low vis green, low vis green. And I was like, really? Like, I've always used mono clear, man. Well, just do it. Like, it doesn't really, everyone has their own method. Right. You know, there's a million ways to skin the cat. You I was can, like holding it and I'm like, nah. I could see, I couldn't even put, I could not put clear on mine. I just couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I bought it's mono too, to make that clear. It is mono. So, but I I've bought like different like fluorocarbon and then the clear, not low vis green color, and I don't want to put it on just because it's clear. And that's just me being stupid and ignorant. Now I bought what was a thousand yards of line. I bought three cases of it, and you were saying that every two weeks, you. Reel yeah. or reline your reel because it gets frayed. So I cut off a bunch all the time. I'm probably gonna catch bottom. I'm not perfect. I'll probably get stuck in a tree. Not perfect. Might lose a fish or two. You know, might just be rushing and get it all tangled. Have to cut off a bunch. So roughly by the end of two weeks, especially in the spring, because I'm going every other day, if not every day. So. I have to replace it because it's not even functional at that point. Well, it's like me with ice fishing. Every time I go ice fishing, I don't, maybe it's just like therapeutic. But like the night before I go ice fishing, I will swap out all my leaders. I will retie all my leaders because sometimes they get caught in the edge of the ice. You get like a little gouge in it. Or if you catch fish and sometimes you get a knot, but you're like, ah, fuck it. And you just pull it tight for the time being. You're like, whatever. And you have like a knot in your leader. Weak point. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. See, I don't, I don't want my laziness to be the reason I lose my exactly. wall hanger. Exactly. It's just like shit. I could have prevented that, and I also enjoy doing it. So it's not like. And work. then you don't catch fish, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do all this prep work, and I'm sitting there like, ah, flag would be nice, yellow perch or something. Um, Wind flag. Oh my gosh! Strong I'd, swimmer. I'd kill for a wind flag. Strong swimmer. No, I can do that. <laughs> Fuck strong. You had plenty swimmers. of them. <laughs> but yeah, I went with a clear mono eight pound. We did agree on eight pound test. I think ten is just just too much. I would do it for bass, but um, we also looked at a lot of uh, spinners. So for we're looking mostly at trout stuff. We're not going to get too much into bass fishing on this episode, dude. We had like two aisles of spinners and you're like oh, i take that one you're just like throwing my basket I'm like load me up baby load me up. i mean i like i'm a stubborn fisherman when it comes to changing lures i feel like for me i have to find the fish rather than find what they're eating however a lot of people will disagree with that however my method does work where if i'm like not catching a fish with my main three like you have a silver spoon or you have like a gold spoon, bronze spoon, what have you, and they're just not biting it. My mentality is more of I'm not at the fish rather than the fish aren't biting it. So I have to go find the fish. And that's why I hike so much. And you were mentioning like with the spinners, you don't like anything with the... Uh, like the feather or like yeah. the skirt on it. Yeah. Why is that? What's your... What's your I don't know. It's just what... You know, like when you, you have something that works, I don't fix it. And those didn't work for me, but these do, so that's what I do. I'll agree with you. The spinner mechanism's kind of like 
faulty at times because it, it doesn't always spin when you're oh, that's so annoying. It doesn't so like, you have to, engage. Like, yeah, you have to like yank the line to make it tighten so it engages the spinner. Like that's why I buy nicer spinners because I don't want to deal with that. Because if you get the ones that just like almost wiggle through the water, it's like freaking hey, that was a wasted cast. It could have been a perfectly good cast, and then blah. But I want something that's flashy, kind of in your face. And it works for both stockies and natives, which I've noticed in my opinion. I mean, I use, like I said, four different colors mainly and like two different sizes. And it just caught me big brown trout and little brookies. Because we had what, twos? And what was the other size we got? We got, you got a one, a two. I don't think you got any threes, but they didn't have much of the threes. And those actually correlate to both the spoon spinner size and the hooks, yep. not just one or the other. Right. And some of the hooks that you buy, like the one, the spinners I got, they look pretty basic. You're like, that's it? But they work. And we were talking about this at dinner tonight, is that does a fish really care about what it looks like as it's floating by them in a, like a brook or river? Because it's a quick, like they see it like, oh, flash, boom, they hit, right? It's got to be a reaction type of thing, more or less than like a stagnant pool or like if it's in a pond, you're casting a reeling. You're getting an action on it versus like a brook. When you cast it, you were saying cast it like a little bit upstream so it floats down. Yeah, and as it goes by, yeah. then they just launch right onto it. It's just interesting to note all the the intricacies that we could talk about. And we have like a sort of limited time because I could talk about that for a while about how how i cast but we'll get into it more when i'm doing the actual thing and i'm actually fishing then i can think oh yeah this is what i do in this scenario and blah 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 this man's over here like just dick swinging about fishing right now <laughs> and i'm like waiting till october baby but i mean don't even mention fall i didn't say I, the d word i, I know but word. you said october and i just a little bit of me was like oh like, we you know haven't even heard a gobble just want to let you know where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, and you're the one that had your turkey call out <laughs> two months early. But anyway. You got to practice. Hey, when I was out ice hey, fishing, those guys yeah. had their practice calls out. They were, like, yelping on the ice. I'm like, let's go. That's what I'm talking about, practicing that call. Very nice. But he texts me back. Andrew does, and he goes, dude, you're missing a season. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, a very big one. It is I a big one. I'll give you that. So, I mean, we already mentioned that we are going to use backpacks for our tackle boxes. You got a net, a rubber. Rubber's key. Yeah. Huge. Because you saw my net that I had tonight. Dude, it's got holes all through it from when, like, a hook was gouged in the fabric. Like, the, it's not even cotton. It's just like a. Nylon? Yeah. It's like a nylon fabric. And when you hook, when those barbs go in there, and then you're, like, trying to pull it out, you just need to, like. Frigate, you just cut a chunk of it out, and then you cut the line, cut the net off your hook, and it's like then you got holes all through your mm. net. So yeah, I had to make the shift towards a a rubber. It's also safer for the fish because it's not like yeah taking off that uh, outer coating they have that's kind of protective of them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it and the biology behind it, but it's like wetting your hand when you touch a fish. I didn't find the net that I like really wanted. Just expensive. And they look cheap as hell. Like, it's like freaking rubber. It's rubber that's held by like a freaking cotton string that's like wrapped around the frame of it. And you're like, 
this is good. It's eighty dollars, and you're like, what? Some of those nets. What were those nets? Hundred and thirty, hundred and forty. And when I was at in Vermont, it was freaking crazy. There was a net was almost two hundred dollars. A freaking net. Like, a net. I bought mine for fifteen. I saw it and I was like, it's either going to be $15 that I love or it's a $15 mistake that I can live with. Dude, I was just like, I saw that net that was like almost $200. I was like, you can go pound sand. Are you kidding me? Like, and it's like <laughs> the trout net. I'm like, no, no. I would rather just like take a t shirt and scoop up that trout with a t shirt. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Gosh, I can't believe it. It's no different than any other hobby, though. When you get into a hobby, you, it all depends on what you want, your personal preference, but it can get very expensive. Mm-hmm. If you want to go high end, if you want to like the fishing pole, for example, I mean, yeah. you could get a two hundred, which was fifty dollars. Which was my initial thought. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna spend some money, like get expensive rod. Uh, here's a little story. Won't be long. I broke my pole last year. That's right. You did. I literally was gonna. I fish a frick ton. I'm gonna buy a nice ass pole. Walk in, I'm like holding every single one of them, $100, $150, $175. What's the difference between the one I already got? You know, right. like $50, all right, let's go. Like I can do everything I want with it. The only thing I can complain about is the reel, but shit, I can get it. Swap like, out the reel. Like what's the big deal there? Right. So I, I don't know, just the the trips that we have planned – it doesn't make sense to go with an expensive rod just because there's so much factor. There's so many factors there that could possibly like break the rod. Yep. And let's not forget on this trip, we didn't get into the fly fishing aspect as much because we didn't have like the specs of your pole. We, we dipped into it. And they didn't really have a large selection of wh- where we were at. So right. definitely have to hit up a fly shop. I mean, I already have my, my, complete setup done you have to get yours going yep i i mean i just need a few streamers and i i'm not i like i'm not a greenhorn fly fisherman but i am no expert right at all yeah, yeah, yeah. because i'm just trying to get into spots that have the ffo regulation on it there's just something yes agreed the fly fish only yes fly because fish only is huge there i can find hopefully some natives and you know, expand my repertoire of spots I can go to because you'll notice a lot of the northern spots are FFO or, you know, I want to fish in Vermont some. A lot of the rivers are FFO. So it's kind of key that I get into a little bit more, but I have done it in the past. This is going to shock you. I think this is going to shock you. The last fish, the last trout I caught on a fishing pole was a fly rod. I'm not surprised because you've talked about it. Dude. That was so long ago. I know. Well, I mean, it was what three year, three or four years ago. But yeah, it was fly fish only because like it was a river. If I say it, people are like, oh yeah, but I'm not gonna publicize it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna be that guy. But there's a there's a little brook that trickles in. And it's fly. That brook is fly fish only. And it was hot, and I was like, ah shit. Like I'm just trying to find those tributaries, just laying out the line. Freaking, I love fly fishing. Just even the motion of it, just everything. I don't know. It's just, if we're talking therapeutic, that there's nothing's more therapeutic than that. You know, laying that line on the water. And I caught, oh, it was like an eight or 10 inch brook trout, but it felt like a freaking 24 inch trout. I'm like, oh yeah, like really. Oh, it's freaking awesome. 
and I ate it right there on the riverbank too. It's awesome. I loved it. I I just love eating trout. I know some people love catch and release, and that's totally fine. But I love eating trout, and I love catching them. And that's this is where I'm gonna hopefully you know get a few days where I limit out and freeze them. So due to COVID, yes, like your seasons were were great. I mean, your fishing season was your best. Let's be uh, real. Yeah, I your mean, freezer your freezer was full. Your deer season. I mean, I'm jealous and. Not it's equivalent. About. It's equivalent. It is equivalent. However, I want to make a really, really interesting point that I haven't told you, and I've been saving it. Oh, God. So <laughs> you're going to be interested. It's not like a bad thing. Okay, good. But so usually I catch, when it comes to a trout, not like a bass or a pike, I catch two, one to two larger trout. Could be 20 plus inches, a few pounds of fatty, what have you. Last year, I didn't catch a monster. I didn't catch any, like, larger trout. I caught a lot of trout, mm. but I didn't catch, like, the big one that I usually catch, like, one or two of. You mean everybody else's goal out there? Yeah. <laughs> I. However, it's just interesting to think about. Like, I, when I fish, and I know I, I will say it every fishing pod, I love catching just the 10-inchers. I just love it. I don't really care. Like... Dinkas. I you love, like the dinkas. I just love them. It's like I appreciate them so much, and they taste great. But I know. I like catching big fish, too. Don't get me wrong. Am I crazy? But remember, we referred to this in a previous podcast, the fish sticks with those little dinkers, the six to eight inchers, similar to smelts. Can you just cook them and just... Probably not. Huh? Well, you would have to fry them. Yeah, I don't. I don't have enough to fry. We definitely talked about this. I don't have enough to fry. I don't them. think like, that would work. I don't think it would. I'm gonna say it right now. I, I think, think you'd be have. surprised. I don't think it would. Six incher? Are you kidding me? The bones are like tiny, tiny yeah. bones. I think if you fry them, you could chew them up like a smelt. Because yeah. have you ever chew- ate a smelt as if it was like a brook trout? Parents pan seared it. I'll let you take that first bite. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Hey, have you had smelts? All right. All right. But anyway. Biting my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a great way to transition into what I love to do in my spare time before fishing season. You're nuts. You're crazy. You're getting into it. I I am. But I... It's hard for me to find the enjoyment piece of it. I when I'm getting into it, I'm like, I know why he does this. It makes sense. You just wait until this exact moment happens. It's not even fishing related. You're on a brook or a trail and you're you're going down. You see an opening in the distance and you could be just in the woods following a brook and then you see an opening, it gets lighter and then you come out and then all of a sudden you're encaps- encapsulated by mountains. You have a beautiful view, and you're just like, oh, I found this on the map. How many people see this? Not many. Because how many lakes and ponds are in that map that you're looking at? 6,000. There are at least 26, 2,677 lakes or ponds in Maine with no name. Good Lord, have mercy. I think I when I looked it up, I swear that it's 6,000. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I heard that statistic earlier this week from a student. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But yeah, there's a significant amount of ponds and lakes. In yep, 6,000, I just checked. 
That's crazy. Think about that. 6,000. And I like, it takes me out. I had a free day last week and I looked. Dude, you were, <laughs> it was like a full-time job. I'm like at work and you're sending me like snaps of just like your gazetteer. And I'm like, the man is still going at it. I had, I think I did literally five hours. However, it was, I enjoy it because I, I'm always like, What's there? Like I don't know what's there. What does it look like? It's probably beautiful. I see this uh, ridge line coming in. You have this little tiny pond, a tributary. I look on Google Maps. I see no development in miles radius. What's okay? But what? Where do you start? Where do you start? Yeah, we're just talking about what I enjoy about right. researching it. Where do you? Where do you start with this whole thing? So I think the biggest thing that I learned and. It could be a stupid fact for those who fish a lot. But recently, you know, you just get your typical fly fishing guide book. I was going to say, don't publicize right now. <laughs> I'm not I'm not publicizing the one I have, but, I mean, all of them are good. Yeah. I recently checked out some for Vermont, and I was like, damn, like, four different authors. I'm like, these are all remote. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, what the hell? It's like people aren't taking the time to read through the text. It's just... It's available, right? and it's a good starting point because you know those authors aren't going to be giving you the best spot they have. True, so, which is crazy to think about because you've hit some of these spots, and you're like, dude, this is gold. And then I found it in the book I have, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I've worked so hard, and then I've like cross-referenced it, and then it's right in the book. It's crazy. So then the next thing I do is... You know, I have my gazetteer. I'm looking at an area I want to fish. Maybe it's related to where I looked into the fly fishing book, the guide book. And then, all right, all right, I find this body of water. I look it up on, the, like, um, the main surveying report of the lake and pond. So you can easily do it. There's a whole database. Not all of them are actually surveyed because I ran into the problem where I found some that. Dude, that's a shit ton of surveying. If they were to do all of them, think about that. But they have 50 years. That's true. Some of those survey maps that you look at, you're like... 1962. Old as shit. Typewriter. Oh, I spilled my coffee on it. Shit. But, you know, those those survey... They're they're very accurate. They're accurate. They tell you the temperature. They tell you the oxygen level, the depths, a depth map, if there's inlets and outlets, if there's marshiness on the outside, developed access points. Oxygen levels. I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna put the interrogation light on you right now. What do you mean by oxygen? Good. <laughs> Go into these reports and they'll be like, yeah, it's an adequate oxygen levels for brook trout, or um, has a good level of oxygen, poor level of oxygen. There's no like percentage. I don't know what the percentage is. Oh, uh, you know, I'm a. I like the science background of it. I like the give me the levels, give me the parts per million, give me the, give me those readings, like give me those, you know, statistical. Like, has it ranged from year to year? Like, has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Well, the thing is, they don't like it's survey good. these. <laughs> they don't surveys survey these ponds every year. You can't. You, you're not telling me a fish biologist could just like take like a dissolved oxygen like reading while they're out there. They're in the field. Why can't they just like, oh, yeah, just take a, oh, you got a hole in the ice over there? Yeah, let me even fucking, yep, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. I feel like that's just not how it operates, but I, I am not, not qualified to say not. anything. I know it's not. One of the big things to note when you're looking at these survey maps is that 
you want to look at obviously what I listed earlier with the habitat, but you want to look at competing species. If they have pickerel mm. in there, if I'm looking for like a native spot, and I throw that out, I'm like not not like totally. I won't like disregard it, but you read it. Oh, there's a bunch of different species, and they're all competing with each other, and they're gonna state it in the summary. Um, I'm not gonna put that as a priority, but I won't eliminate it. Like one of the ponds that you and I were looking at, we're like, oh my gosh, it looks so good, and it's it's nearby, and we're like, oh, it looks so good, and then you know, I hear people that that went to that that spot, and they're like. Yeah, we were catching like fifteen pound pike. Like, yeah, for, you know, just pulling them out of the. I'm like, uh, that's not what we were looking for. That's not what we're looking for. Which, I don't like. It goes back to that thought of like, and I am not the professional in this branch. I, I'm not the professional when it comes to this. I understand that. But why the why the hell do we stock the shit out of these bodies of water? If we know they have milfoil, pike, like how are we counter? Like are we are we countering it by just overstocking it and then just there they go, they're gone. Like I really have no idea. It's it's kind of crazy to think about that they're putting all this time, energy, and money. We need to reach out to a fish biologist. What which we will, we definitely will. We've been in contact. Let's say that, but we're working on it. So. Um, but it's just a question we have many questions of, you know, this certain degree of like, okay, these bodies of water, why don't they take, you were saying this, this resource, this taxpayer money and put it in a body of water that's actually like more sustainable than say this like milfoil pike infested area. I'm just preaching to the choir right now. Like, I don't really, I don't get it. I don't know. Okay, playing devil's advocate, is it, think about, if they stock, like, say they don't stock any body of water that has pike in it. I can think of one, two, three, I can think of quite a few. I'm saying, like, zero stockings. Let's just say, hypothetically, zero zero stockings for if it has pike. Boom. Nothing. They're not stocking shit into that. Okay? Where's everybody else, where are they going to go now? Um, true. Uh, you're going to try to not overfish waters, but then you have maybe more fish in those bodies of water, but then does it hold the habitat? Maybe not, but then you can take into account the overfishing. There's a whole, there's probably like a whole statistical analysis. And my question is like, you hear pike all the time. Like, are the biologists like get those motherfuckers out of the water? Or are they like, "Eh, they're just part of the ecosystem? Like, I don't know. Trouble by the bucket full. I don't know. <laughs> like, even rivers. Rivers are overloaded with them, too. Think about it. The river that I fish. I'm going to do it in the next few weeks. It's going to happen. I'm going to catch me some pike. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. We went to, when we went there today, I was like, get some get some, uh, some leaders, some steel leaders. Like, what? I was like, yeah, pike fishing, baby. And I got, like, four-inch lures. I'm ready to go. Bike fishing is fun. I love it. And then you have the perfect rod. In a kayak, everything. it's a little different. But, <laughs> you know, Mac Daddy last year caught a nice, beautiful, I mean, I say beautiful, large pike in a kayak. And he was pulling his kayak. I'm not touching that thing. I'm like, I oh, just grab it by the head, pull it out. I'm like, holy shit. It's awesome. It's great. 
It's good. So getting back into uh, the scouting that we do, one of the things that I look at is the stocking report because, you know, for the beginning part of April, I'm not really going to be hitting northern spots that hold native trout because it's going to be frozen over, too cold, no real feeding pattern to really focus on. So I will target stockies for a good portion of the early season, which is, you know, coming up right up this week, hopefully. I mean, I'll keep my eyes peeled because I have my spots where, you know, they stock it, but then they swell up into this little hole that you wouldn't expect. And okay. that, okay, that's where it ties into the next aspect of scouting for fishing is Google Maps. So, you know, like, all right. And that's one thing I've, I always forgot because we did the, these strategies when we were ice fishing. We looked at, we followed these same strategies, a little bit different because brooks and ponds and so on and so forth, but... I'd always be like, okay, stocking report, you know, looking at my gazetteer, so on and so forth. But then you were like, I'm looking at Google Earth right now. I'm like, why? What like what are you doing? So when I look at Google Earth, I can see aquatic life. I can see the surrounding structures pretty well. I can see the like the whole topography. So if I see lily pads, a bunch of marshes around, or even the water looks brown. Indicators. I mean, there's a bunch of things you can see, like, oh, that's a bass and pickerel spot, not really a trout. Tur- turbidity. The clarity of the water. Learn something new every day. So Google Maps is a great tool to use, and you can save locations on there. So I can like save a bunch of spots. I use the Gazetteer to save spots, but you can use that as a launching point to, all right, they stock this river or pond. Are there any outlets that those fish can travel into another little pocket? Or maybe I'm missing a whole spot or an access point that, oh, this would be way shorter to get to this spot. Can I walk along here? I mean, you can use some some apps and property maps to see what's like public, you know, public lands too on the state website. All these different tools you can use at your disposal. And all of them, other than the book, is free. So for, let me, because <laughs> if you look at all the stuff that you are looking at, it can be overwhelming. You have to really grid. Grid it. What's your goal? Like, so okay. Your end goal is your your you want to catch fish, obviously. Yeah, that's I would say but that's like, a, you have to be general. You can't say native. Or okay, you can't correct, say stocky. Correct. I want to catch a brook trout. Okay. So brook trout's the end goal. Or not even brook trout. I you have say all, trout. Okay. So you have let's picture this. Let's try and get a visualization here. You have all these resources. Resources like endless resources and let's say those are on a bar graph right you have all these resources some are better than others right but what you're trying to do is find the trend line you're trying to find the the relationship between each of those resources yeah so to tie all in all these different aspects together this is what i do exactly where am i located all right let's find something close i want to catch trout i have this book it's going to give me like the the known quick hitters that if you call it like a, a outfitter or a, your local fish shop, they'll be like, oh, yeah, go down to such and such, take a turn here, and bam, you're fishing. Okay. Now I look at surrounding ponds or connected bodies of water through the survey map. I look at the gazetteer. I look at Google Maps. I connect all those into a little area. Could be one page of the gazetteer, which is a few towns. Yep. And then I work my way in whatever direction I want to work. And then you can 
see a trend of like, oh, there's a bunch of little trout ponds here. Like I should focus here and not look at, I can't find a pond or it's all marshy in this part of the state. And then, oh, I want to make a trip up to Western Maine. All right, well, let's focus on, all right, this is like the road I'll take in and just expand off that. You just really got to start small and work your way big because then you'll have a bunch of your own notes in your gazetteer and you'll have your own coding system for what's in this pond. And even on your gazetteer, you you make notes. You put like little sticky notes. Like when you go there, what did you catch? Sometimes I cross it off. Like, oh, that was a waste of my time. Don't and go I, back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get success every place you go. I found spots that, all right, everything was right. And I spend my time like trying different lures, fishing every nook just not getting much and then i'll just cross it off and say never go back but that's gonna happen in fishing and then you get days where oh i can't stop catching them yep exactly so i i'm i'm learning the ways if you will i mean this is like the full extent of like what i've done like this is all new to me you know but i think i'm hoping crossing my fingers that with this planning comes success i think i think it will I think it will, but I think last year was the first, the first year I implemented this tactic, and the proof's in the pudding. I'm gonna take a jab. I practiced this strategy, this ice fishing season, but didn't work. Didn't play out as well as I would like it to. Like as in the scouting. I think the scouting was like. It wasn't great. I'll say it was, it learning. was good. It, yeah, maybe it was just learning. Yeah. Okay. And here, So you're saying that... I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is like... I don't want I don't want to come off that way. What I'm saying is like... It could have just been the year. It could have been like the increase in, in fishing licenses this year because of COVID. Was it like... I think... I wasn't you, as successful. I, I think what you'll see when we go... It's, I hit a lot of bodies of water. Oh, I know you do. And I, when I hit a body of water, I take the approach of, I want to take one cast every good spot rather than casting 50 times in a good spot. Yep. I mean, that's That's a little, a a little exaggerated. I will take, like, if I know it's a good spot, I'll take my time. But in the grand scheme of things, like I'll skip portions and yeah, maybe there's a trout there. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing fish. And I mean, that's just how I do it. But... I'll get into pockets, and I'll be off the grid. And I think it's pretty cool. I love seeing, like, other... Because ice fishing, you're stuck in one spot. Yeah, so that's... I mean, we talk, I've talked about it already. I mean... Yeah, you hike. I know you do your fucking n- thing. Uh, yeah, but, like, you drill a hole, and you can't, like, oh, I want to be five feet that way. Right. You drill a hole, and that's where I am. You drop, your, drop your shiner down three, four feet, and you're like, good enough. Yeah. Set it and forget it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make one quick note. What I do, and it's really helpful, I write the law. So, like, you have a gazetteer, body of water, and, you know, you you look into your area. Write the laws next to that body of water. You don't, like, there's so many laws. They have all the different special laws for different ponds. I would just write it down. Like, I use the gazetteer all the time. You know, I know the general law, 
by heart, you know, you have like two fish limits in the southern zone. You have a five fish limit in the northern zone for brook trout. You have different size limits for different bodies of water. If it's a brook, stream, river, or a pond, lake, you need to cover your bases. ALO, artificial lures only. FFO, fly fishing only. Different size limits, size requirements. Um, maybe it's close to fishing. And it's only for youth fishing. I've seen that. Yep. I've seen a perfect body of water, and it's for youth. And I'm like, oh, shit. I would say a handful of bodies of water that we scouted this this winter for ice fishing. We're like, oh, hey, let's check this place out. Let's, oh, this looks good. Looks good on paper. Let's check the loss. All right, let's check the loss. No ice fishing, right? Close to ice fishing. So you always, like, look at the laws in relation to... You have to check before you go. You can't emphasize that enough. So you, everything that I've listed, other than the book... Online resource. Yep. Free. Yep. Everyone has access to this stuff. I mean, if you have the internet, if you have a mobile device or laptop, state even says you can download that shit on your phone. Like, download it so you have it in the field. Town office, pick it up. Hard copy. Yeah. Your general hardware store usually carries it. I mean, I usually save pictures of the spots I'm going to when I make like a, a planned trip, you know? If I know the spot by heart, like, all right, I know the laws here. I don't have to worry. But if I'm going, oh, northern Maine, screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. And then if anyone talks to me, pulls you over, like, oh, yeah, like, I know what I'm doing. I got all this. This is what I'm doing. Cover my bases. So if you are going to the north zone, we talked about the north and south zones uh, in the in um, previous minutes of this podcast. And I looked it up. Uh, you're looking at the Penobscot. Yes. Uh, Penobscot north of Route 11 and 157 is in the north zone. Um, there's another county, Oxford, uh, north of the and- Androscoggin River, um, is also in the north zone. So in total, north zone has a roostic. Uh, Penobscot north of Route 11 and 157. Uh, Piscataquis, uh, Somerset, Franklin, and Oxford north of Androscoggin River. So that's all in the north zone, which is a good chunk of territory, but it's weird because it, uh, if you're looking at the state of Maine from west, from west to east, um, it starts in like central, I would say southwest of Maine, and it kind of goes up to like northeast of Maine. So it's not a perfect straight line across the state. Um, so those are things you want to take note of. And that map is easily found on the general law uh, portion of the Maine inland and fisheries so always good to note the laws and i want to make i want to make one last uh point before we wrap up the scouting portion of fishing it's kind of hard to scout a brook like a tiny brook i love fishing tiny brooks with like a worm or if it's uh ffo or artificial lures only you'll you'll learn like the areas in which these streams are located as you do more fishing because they don't do surveys of these areas so you're gonna have to be there to figure out all right this there's fish here but you're not really gonna be able to see online other than if you see all right the banks are all gravel and boulders and you have like a like a glacier runoff looking topography if like a brook's gonna be cold water or if it's just gonna be lukewarm runoff which is just something that it's hard to do online. But that pretty much wraps up the scouting unless you have anything to add. 
I mean, I was just going to say, like, the things that you're looking for when you actually go out and, you know, you actually get to the body water, you're looking at, like, you might get there and the water might be higher than normal. You might get there and the water's lower than normal. Yeah, so we're going to, we're really going to get into that because with the early season, the tactics are just all over. (laughs) (laughs) Because, all right, well... We'll get into it right now. We're fishing southern, central Maine. We're not really venturing north because, as I said, it's going to be ice covering the ponds. South it doesn't zone. open till yep. April 1st. And, you know, you're going to have fly fishing only regulations on a lot. So you're going to have to, you know, plan accordingly to the feeding patterns. However, when you're focusing early season for me personally i mean there's gonna be people out there that do their own thing but i look at stock stocked fisheries so i'm looking for i'm looking at the stocking report i have my own spots that i do and then you'll like you mentioned we'll get into a spot in high water we might have snow we might have ice we might have all these different factors that you have to take into account because it affects the feeding pad it affects everything about fishing Okay, so let's do this. Let's play scenario. You show up to an area. The ice has just... Pond or river. Ooh. I need to know if it's running water. Look at this man. (laughs) This man is is dialed in already. Good God. Okay, let's say... uh, I'll say say river. River. Uh, Water level's high. Uh, Turbidity is like, I'll say 50%. So visibility is like 50%. Um, temperature is obviously high because the ice just was uh, just removed. And yeah, w- what's your strategy going into that that body of water? What do you do? Well, first, I'm like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Again, I'm, we've said it many a times. I'm not a professional fisherman, so I'm not. You can't bet on me doing anything. Shut the fuck up. What do you do? Come <laughs> well, on. If give I were us doing anything, I would. I would have my spinner, if it I'm I'm using a spinner, I'm gonna have it drop down. It's I'm not really I'm really fast only because of the current. Because I don't want that bait too high up in the water because I want to bring it down to them if I can. But it's going quick. I'm looking for pools, obviously. That that's an area where you know they're gonna hole up in. What color? Uh, I usually always go silver to start. I mean, I will do that any day. I would agree with that in a darker, like a 50% water. If it's not clear, yeah, go with a white light, like almost like a white lef- reflectiveness. I mean, I will. You'll see this here when you come fishing. I use silver. Mm. That's like... That one lure we bought this afternoon, you're like, get this. I'm like, what? I have four of them. It is all silver. Like, the whole damn thing oh, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. silver. And I'm like, it looks like like aluminum split shot. I'm like, really? He's like, oh yeah. You you caught your one of your biggest trout on there. Yeah, I caught my biggest native. Yeah. When I was last year was the first year I dabbled in catching natives and the biggest one I caught was off of just a straight silver spinner, silver body, silver spoon and not that big of a hook. But if I'm in those scenarios, I'm usually doing the same thing. I'm always trying to think, can I get my spinner down low enough? to get almost in their face where it's like a reaction type of bite. So in my opinion, you, you almost want your action, if you will. You want the spinning effect, obviously, but reeling-wise, like, 
You almost want the current to do the work for you. Yeah, but you still want the you action. Want, you want a loft with action. Yeah, because if you don't actually reel it, you have to have the actual spinning motion. I just don't want to give listeners the wrong intentions of like them like freaking just reeling this son of a bitch through. I think current. if you're doing the act, you'll understand that you have to reel as fast as the current, and then you have to reel just a little bit faster. I got you. Yep. I know what you mean by that. And then you can adjust that to Correct. get your depth. So you don't want to reel it so fast enough that it's like a loft in like, it's like on the a, surface. Uh, jerk bait on top of the water. Yeah, no, no, we don't no, want no, no, that. No. We want something that's going to be, you know, in their face. And that's just how I fish. And then, again, I'm getting more into fly fishing this year. So I'll learn a whole different aspect and people will. And most fly fly fishermen will tell you like, and once again, not professional. And we can't say this enough. And some listeners might be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, but when you're fly fishing, like, especially what insects are out, what do you see on the water? Like, what are the trout feeding on? What is available for them? What is readily available for them uh, to feed on? So, like, mayflies, like, when there's that hatch, black flies. Uh, the mosquito hatching, like those are things that you need to take into into consideration. Even the water levels, as that water level goes up, the shore gives them more opportunity to feed. Essentially, I've definitely seen that when you have like a shrubbery, more runoff that's coming into the the brook. So you have like tributaries that are coming in. Maybe all that runoff is carrying some feed into that that area. And I mean, you'll have a noticed effect of the feeding pattern, like maybe a little bit after the high water runoff mm. where it's, it clears up a bit so then they can feed better. But again, I'm not, you go from material and suspension where like you have this like silty nastiness that's floating in the water, almost like chocolate milk. And then over like the course of 24 hours, maybe that, that fine silty material starts to, to filter out and you get that clarity that, that, uh, you know, clear water back. So, but getting back to my early season tactics, I'm really looking at, you know, stocked fisheries and I'm looking at ponds if they're, you know, thawed or rivers and streams that are stocked. I really I have found personally that in like a southern zone, the brook trout like brooks, the tiny little brooks that hold the little natives, they're not usually ready because you need kind of that the black flies to be devouring your face and eyeballs to catch those fish because they're not really i mean i have caught some before but once you know the bug hatches are really happening that's when you want to hit those spots and it comes it comes into this debate and i talked to you about this over the phone is like what percentage of fish that you catch are stockies uh three quarters 75 percent 75%. I'm the type of person, and we talked about this with ice fishing. You know, if they stock 24-inch brown trout into a pond and you catch a 24-inch brown trout that year, it's almost like they put it there and you just pulled it right back out and you're like, look what I caught. Yeah. But, but it's still an animal. It is, yes. Fish, yes. Yeah, well. But, like, if I get to, like, say that fish is, like, 25 inches 26 inches like the next year the following year like and you catch that like that's more like all right all right what i'm saying is like my goal is to catch it oh i'll say this 
My goal is to limit out with native trout this year. Okay. Well, let me first back it up a little bit. That's a goal that I have. I'm not saying that I want that every single time. I totally get what you're saying. And I wouldn't be wrong to say, I wish I caught native fish all the time, wild native trout. However, backing up to the stocked fishing. Yes. Is it as if I caught a stocked fish and I put it next to a native? I'm like, okay, which one do I want? I obviously picked a native. It's not that hard to choose. However, they crossbreed these fish with wild trout. So they True. have the characteristics of a wild trout. Like when I say wild animal, it's, it's referring to like it's, it has the mentality of surviving. It's it was not gonna... hatched and developed in Mother Nature. Yeah. Not in a hatchery. Yeah, exactly. So it's, if you're, I'm going to respect them, like both of them. And I obviously want one more than the other, but the opportunity lies with one end. You can almost look at it in a very, you know, maybe a reach, like doe permits, like mm. controlling deer population, crotch horns. Like, oh, I shot a six pointer, but you have like a four point, like, minimum. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. This, is it really a six pointer or is it not? I don't know. So, what's the difference? How can like, how can you tell the difference between a stocky and a native? Well, first of all, if you go online, did your research, you should know if they stock the area, right? And then you can look at their fins. So their fins will they're in like concrete tanks, so their fins are gonna rub up against that tank and they're gonna like wear down. And brook trout or brown trout, you know, they have like brook trout, especially square tails, they have their name as. So if you see a native brook trout, you'll see that their tail is just like clean. It's not weathered in any way, any way like a feather. But if you look at a stocked fish, it's going to be more, have rougher fins, maybe a clipped fin. And they're all going to be, you'll, you'll notice that they're all similar size. Like, oh, they stocked a bunch of eight inches and they're all eight inches. Okay. Kind of. Kind of. It's like that brown trout I <laughs> caught at that pond that that guy made breakfast for me. That was a stocked trout. Yeah. That was stocked. No doubt. Like, we looked up, what was it? Like, you threw that one back 13 inch. Yeah. It was, it was uh, thir- no, tenant. Uh, no, it was 13. You were right. No, it was 13 okay. inches. And that was right on the money, 13 yeah. inch. It was like 13 inch on the money. I was like, damn it. Yeah. But uh, going into. Um, early season, you have a couple, you have a couple, like you had a cool tip for me and I, I like this. So I'm going to emphasize this because when you said this, I was like, no shit. So it might not be applicable right now because the brooks aren't yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they will be like, give it three, four weeks. But this one cool tip I learned is you know, I'm fishing these tiny little trickles of a brook. You know, I have my, I, I fish with a worm sometimes. Just put the worm, no weight, on a leaf, like a, a bigger leaf. Let it float down into like this pool that you're looking at. And, you know, natives will be really, really scared of vibration, shadows. You have to like take into account where is the sun? Is my shadow being casted into this pool? So you're saying like if I cast a spinner and it boop, plops in the water. They're just going to scatter into the edges. Gotcha. So then I just have this worm hooked on a leaf and let it float into this pool 
And then once it gets into my little target area, which it's probably not that far. I'm not, I'm not talking like a whole cast worth. It's it's a tiny brook we're talking. Uh, what leaf do you uh, go by? Do you go by a maple leaf? I haven't even nut? thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oak. Then I pull I pull the worm off the leaf and it drops. It makes no splash. And then you'll just wait for your line to start running a little bit. Bam. Makes sense. It works. I've done it, which is kind of cool. We'll have to try it when we head north. Because by that time, we should be good. Yeah, I mean... It'll be early. We have a long time. We're going to have a lot of shit that happens before then. Oh, my gosh. So much. I mean, it's going to be... I mean... How do I word this? Coming into a new season is just... You're so amplified, you know? Especially when you go shopping for all these new like lures and equipment you're like you're getting amped up and like i said the equipment doesn't make the fishermen it's you know it's the fishermen themselves it's taken me a very long time to get to the point where i can catch stocked fish so for the listener out there that may not be you know an experienced angler that i mean this podcast goes into a lot of the things that you gets you into getting your target species it took me so long and no one ever told me, oh, yeah, you can just look up the stocking report. No one told me that. Like, I learned that myself. I learned that, oh, the state surveys ponds. Or I can buy these books. For people that don't know that, it's kind of like, holy shit, like, the, the resource is there. I never knew it was because I never really had the mentor that told me, all right, here's what you need to do to accomplish your goal, whatever that be. And this, I mean, this podcast really goes into trout fishing as a whole. I mean, we talk about spin casting and not too much fly fishing yet. But as you listen to our podcast, we kind of get, you're going to grow with us. Like mm. I'm growing yep. as a fly fisherman, angler, and I'm working on my craft just as much as I hope the listeners are. So by any means, I am no professional and I hope that people can take away some of these skills and tactics and stories that they can implement into their fishing mm. or just their hobby. Yeah. And I would say the viewers out there, if you, uh, if you have any questions or topics that you want us to talk about. DM us on Instagram. Absolutely. Um, or you can even email us at grip ngrin podcast at gmail.com and then grip and grin underscore pod on instagram that i mean it would be awesome if we could get some some topics even just to bring up during a pod uh that would share be, with your friends yeah it'd be great it'd i mean listen awesome. to previous podcasts i mean some of them are, i hope are pretty freaking good <laughs> <laughs> we're putting in the time spotify now you know that's good i mean so. we're we're really you know we're committed and hopefully you'll stick around and we, we will plenty. respond if you email us. We will I get. I promise it on you, here. I will get that notification <laughs> so quickly. I'll be in class and I'll I'll respond to it. Yeah, absolutely. As always, folks, get in the woods and especially get on the water. <laughs>